Hello, and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we break down and review movies, trailers, TV shows, and everything pop culture. In today's episode, we'll be talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier, Season 1, Episode 2. I'm Emmett, and I'm joined by my co-host and president of the Saved by the Bell fan club, Ivan. Ivan, how are the Bellheads doing these days? They're doing pretty well. I think there's a new spinoff show right now on, was it Peacock? I don't even know. There's a spinoff show for everything. Mighty Ducks just came out with one. I, I did see that. I saw the trailer for it. But Saved by the Bell, funny enough, um, <laughs> I don't think I've seen the full episode since like the fourth grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a, uh, that was before school, I feel like. Yeah, I used to watch it. I think it was on TBS before I'd go to school. It was on at like 6 a.m. in the morning or something like that. Are you a Zach Morris or an AC Slater or a Screech? Um, I'm more of a Screech fan. Rest in peace, Screech. Mm. Um, you know, but <laughs> no, I don't. I don't I, honestly, <laughs> probably Slater. Probably, oh, probably Slater. Slater. Yeah, okay. you know, he was more of a cool guy. Okay. Zach Morris, you know, I could take him or leave him. You know, I feel like I hear I you're a... on the brisk of something of uh, canceling him yourself, though. Yeah, I've been you know revisiting a lot of them. I'm trying to get into the fan club. Uh, any good words you could put in for me would be great. But yeah, that was a pretty uh, risque show. <laughs> I feel like Comments. everything was everything. If you view anything from like the 80s and the 90s with the lens of today, um, a lot of that stuff just wouldn't fly anymore. Isn't that the point, though? We're supposed to evolve. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Like, I don't know it was the 80s. It was OK. I don't know how you, beneficial it is to call out stuff from the 80s, but I mean, <laughs> I always find it so interesting whenever people cancel stuff from the past, and I'm just like enjoying the memes that come out of it. Yeah, but, there's always that one person in that trending thread that goes, me seeing if they're canceling this person, <laughs> and it's like that <laughs> running man gif. My, my favorite gif of all the bunch that's like always the one that everybody goes to is like, oh, me checking to see why whoever's getting canceled is getting canceled. And yeah. it's the, the gif from Community where uh, I forgot what, damn, why am I forgetting his name? When the guy comes in with the pizzas and the Donald room is Glover on fire. Comes in with the pizza yeah. And he drops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that one's so good. Hey, let's uh, let's get into the news. A couple, couple big things happened this week. No shocker here. Black Widow has been pushed yet again. Yeah, I, I texted you earlier this week on that, right? Like, I did. Did you or I predict that this was going to happen again? I, I feel like we've been we've been talking so much about Black Widow that I, I forget <laughs> where we were. Yeah, it's been officially a year pushed, and <laughs> then because it was pushed for six months, and then the, another six months, and now it's pushed for another three, so it's a little over a year. But you know, you called out that part of contract of. Scarlett Johansson is a share in ticket sales or something like that. So they have to make sure that it's got a fair launch in theaters. Yeah, she has to have she gets a piece of opening box office tickets sales. I don't know how much of it. Like, I don't know the full details of it, but I know that that's how those contracts normally go. I think they're missing the mark here a little bit because ultimately you can get that and still be able to pay off ScarJo anything that they kind of owe her. Right. But you could keep it in May and just release it premier access. Because let's be real, the difference between May and July in terms of vaccinations and people going to go to the movies, I think it's right on par about the same. Yeah, it's definitely going to be more people can, but it's still going to be like our people in the ready mindset to go to a theaters. Right. But I'm just surprised that they couldn't just restructure it and just be like, we'll just offer you a buyout. And if we notice that ticket sales are higher than our buyout, 
then we'll just pay the difference type of thing. Not that yeah. I'm anywhere near that field or qualified or really understand the math behind it, <laughs> but I'm just surprised that like her agents couldn't be like, let's just get this structure like refigured out because April was a pretty good time for her to release because it's totally like it's after the Justice League movement and the uh, King Kong versus Zilla. Like it would have its own time. You don't know what you're going to be competing against in July. Yeah. And it also pushes back the the Marvel slate because now Shang-Chi, who was supposed to release in July, is now releasing in September. So you're pushing it down even further. And I'm like, I, I'm just hoping that Eternals doesn't get pushed into 2022 because like I'm already not too interested it's in that movie. To. Probably, but like everything's got to be pushed back from this. You cannot release four in a year. Well, I guess they have done four in a year before. They've, yeah, they've done it. It's just I, I, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot a little bit here. Like, and you're right. Like, it, and it wouldn't be uncommon for them to buy out the contract because they did that with Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman to release 1984 in December. Yeah, that's that's what I'm just surprised about because I'm sure she just wants to do like the press tour, get it over with, and then just get it out there. Yeah, and I'm willing to bet this will perf- like outperform the stuff that they've done on Disney Premiere at this point because it's a Marvel movie. Like I'm sure people will turn up for it and pay the, the extra thirty dollars. I'm opening up my Apple Pay right now to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> just just give me my damn movie, Marvel. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I really just want to watch this. It's highly anticipated. Yeah, I I want to watch it, but I'm also kind of like, all right, how much is the general audience is at this point just not going to care by the time it's released, you know? That's what I'm worried about is every time you push it back, you lose a certain percentage of fans' interest. There's only one movie this year, though, that I hope doesn't get pushed out to 2022, and that's Spider-Man uh, Ooh, No Way Home. Yeah. That's it's releasing in December, so I'm hoping by then everybody's, you know, no, not everybody, but like the majority of people are vaccinated. Speaking of that, have you seen the pictures of Tom Holland? The shirtless pictures on Twitter? <laughs> no, the shirt covered. Yeah, obviously the shirtless. He's just completed training for the movie. And, I mean, people are throwing the word Adonis around. And that might just be me, but it'll catch on. Well, right now, according to my current feed on Twitter, he's trending right below Patrick Starr. So, <laughs> wow, that's great company. <laughs> That's a great company. <laughs> no, I, I, dude, the, 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 I don't know what the diet plan is for, that this guy is on. It's but... chicken, broccoli, and rice, like three, like five <laughs> times a day, fish protein, like just as much as you can. Like, I'm sick of people being like, oh, wow, it's so amazing that he got ripped. Like, no, he has the budget of, of Marvel behind him. To be like, this is your job to get in super shape so we can do one shirtless scene between you and Zendaya. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's his job. Like, he doesn't have a nine to five. He literally is like, wake up, gym, three times a day, read my lines, get ready. Yeah, when you put it that way, that sounds like a bit more of a life than. <laughs> like, I'm than pretty that sure that's how Kumail put it too, who got ripped for Eternals. Like, we he all saw did. him on Silicon Valley. Like, he he's like, yeah, I have a budget for this. I have like. Uh, the studio paying for a trainer for like a private gym membership like he's not going to like planet fitness and trying to figure out what the machines do on his own that was me this past week (laughs) (laughs) i was like the gym finally it's been ages (laughs) i'm in i'm in my apartment with like resistance bands smacking me in the forehead (laughs) because they snap back like they are not us (laughs) 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. When you get when you're getting paid millions, I guess it shouldn't surprise anybody that you're jacked, you know, because like that's basically like you said, it's your job to to do that for the one or two seconds. It's still very impressive because it does take some willpower to actually not cave and have, you know, cookies and cake after your trainer leaves. But he can't get too jacked, though, because Peter Parker is supposed to be like slim ish. But he still built. looked pretty. He still looked pretty slim, but I remember when Toby got jacked, and nobody said ill. Was Toby <laughs> jacked? I don't remember Toby being jacked. Yeah, when he took off his shirt in that one, that first Spider-Man scene. Oh yeah. Then then there was no more shirtless shots for Toby. Yeah, for no, more, no more shirtless. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. You know when as we're talking about this, I always think back to like in the comics, Peter Parker's always like this nerdy. Very like lanky looking dude. No, he's he, the, he's nerdy under a sweatshirt. He's got a great body under that. <laughs> it's like the Clark Kent Superman thing. Like you take <laughs> off the glasses. This is you just take off the shirt, and it's like, oh my god, it's a completely different man. It's exactly it. <laughs> oh my god. But, but I guess the more recent news from today, if we want to talk about it, this is going to be a point of contention between us. I think. Yeah, recording this on Friday the 26th, so by the time this comes out, you'll it'll have trended and had its moment in the sun. Suicide but, Squad. The Suicide Squad. I thought they committed suicide last time. Like, can't this just be over? <laughs> At the box office they did, but not. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's definitely bring it back then. <laughs> if belly flopped, let's do it again. Yeah, I don't... I don't know. I this is James Gunn. You know, he he's he's got a, a couple of gems under his belt. So I enjoyed the trailer. I thought it was good. I don't think it was, like there was nothing to stand out that was like a memorable thing for me. But I don't know. I feel good about it. I, I don't think it's uh, I didn't see anything to dislike too much on it. But you have a different take on it. I don't know. No, it's got Margot Robbie. So, yes, it gets kudos points for that. And it also Always. is your Elba. I'm into it. And but, the giant shark. Yeah, and they made a COVID, don't cough joke, hilarious. Very in touch with the times. But <laughs> I guess I have to rewatch Suicide Squad because I thought that that director woman was the bad guy and also died. <laughs> Maybe I'm misremembering it. Yeah, no, she didn't die. She 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 survived through the end. Remember she got BET for The Crocodile Man. What's his name? I don't remember any of that movie because it was so bad. I remember falling asleep to it. Well, I'll remember for you, okay? <laughs> yeah, you can just do that pot on it on your own. <laughs> so needless to say, this is our our moment talking about this trailer. We're not doing a whole episode to that. We're not? God damn yeah, it, we man. are. You can if you want. <laughs> you said this about Justice League and we ended up doing <laughs> one of our longest yeah, episodes. The trailers got better. This will never get better. I, I, I don't know, man. I wouldn't... I wouldn't... I wouldn't place my bets on this movie being too bad or bad at all. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that action. I'll, I'll place a bet down. All right. How about this? If you Let's end up enjoying under. the movie, if you Let's end up send... enjoying the movie, no, 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 because that's too so like like subjective. We need to set a. I'll put a hundred dollars on it. Number over under. I'm saying forty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Jeez, no, I'm going for like. You're going over. 75 to 80 <laughs> percent. Okay, well then I'll set the bar in, uh, at 70. Let's do it. Loser buys the other Chick Fil A. Oh, I'm all in on that. Assuming we ever return to it. <laughs> yeah, maybe by 20. Was that 2021 or was that 2022? This trailer for? Uh, this it's this year. 
Isn't it? Uh, the end of uh, this year? I'm second guessing myself now. I don't I know. I think it was for this year, which surprises me because I feel like I haven't really heard about it that much. But it's been like, hush hush. We haven't really got no one wants to talk about it. August 6, 2021 is the anticipated. That's going to go fast for a movie that no one really talked about yet <laughs> no one talked about yet sir and we've already devoted too much time to it let's right. move on to our spoiler free thoughts on falcon winter soldier season one episode two these are untitled right I'm, i probably should have done the research uh no this was this is called the uh the star spangled man these are titled this one's called star spangled man i was testing you you passed <laughs> Yeah, give me, your, the, uh, give me your spoiler-free take. I feel like you're gonna have a hot take on this. Yes, I think this was <laughs> one of the worst. Thi- no, <laughs> um, I think this was another great episode. Um, it's starting to peel back the curtain a little bit on some of the heavier themes that they want to tackle in Marvel. I keep saying that, but I feel like there's actually the good, the perfect platform to kind of tackle that in, right? Like WandaVision tackled depression, grief, and all that. Uh, for this one, it looks like we're delving right into social issues that seem to be kind of more relevant to today yeah um and also marvel's really bringing their classic game here not just in terms of plot but for me this feels like winter the winter soldier as a series in terms of like being a high action political thriller um and just classic marvel i I just don't know like i don't know how to put that into words anymore right because i feel like you 15 minutes into any movie you can kind of tell if it's a marvel movie because there's certain things that happen Right, like the, the the vibe of the humor, the vibe of the plot, they're all they all kind of have a similar uh, vibe to them, and that's what you get here. Yeah, I think this is what I would call classic Marvel and not vintage Marvel, because I I've recently been like restarting the Marvel movies for the umpteenth time, and the Phase One humor, I guess, was a little bit more like structured in the dialogue. It wasn't so much like because of character chemistry or anything like that. This feels like Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan get along off screen and they really bring that into the screen. Same thing with like um, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen, which made these shows work. Uh, So for me, this was a really enjoyable episode because, you know, we're still in the infancy of this series. So we're still getting, you know, character building and a little character development introductions. Uh, But they also balance it with those Marvel fight sequences. Like you said, like you can tell that this is Marvel fighting. Uh, you know, it's not like a Justice League where you're going to see Steppenwolf's head get uh, <laughs> dismembered, but it still is going to like pack a punch and uh, still keep you on your edge of your seat, seeing who's going to win the, the this round of their bouts. And there's no slow-mo shots. <gasps> yeah, I know. Actually really enjoyable <laughs> without slow-mo or, or <laughs> chanting. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. I think they are tackling different issues in each show. So WandaVision was definitely dealing with depression and um, like how to deal with grief. This is definitely going to be heavy on race, but also it seems like maybe tied to that or also not even tied to that at all. It's just equity and versus equality. Uh, it definitely deals with like trust issues so far. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they tie in these major themes uh, into a superhero show, which is pretty funny to be linking the two. Yeah, this almost feels like a Tom Clancy novel, but instead in the yeah. Marvel Universe. Does that mean we're going to get John Krasinski? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> All right, so let's get into character breakdown and uh, talk about specific scenes. So these will have spoilers. So if you haven't seen the episode yet and you still plan to, uh, go ahead and hit pause. Definitely come back 
but if you don't come back, you go ahead and throw a five on our rating in the store. That really helps out. Go ahead and download this episode in all your favorite apps too. <laughs> like, not just like if you don't have it, download Spotify, get it there. Download it from Podbean. Yeah, or, download the episodes too. Don't just stream them. You know. Yeah. That. Yeah. Do both. Open up your browser. You know, however many laptops you got at home, open that up, download our episode again. All right. So for anyone who stayed on during that banter, <laughs> let's get into the character breakdowns. Uh, can we start with Johnny Walker? Fine. We can start with him. But Oh, no. I meant the drink. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you want to start with Captain America, a.k.a. John Walker. Ugh, you mean Wish.com? <laughs> <Captain America? laughs> I mean the guy from Up. <laughs> They actually fixed his helmet. Somebody like readjusted it for this episode, I think. Yeah, his ears were... weren't as big, and his chin didn't stick out as much. <laughs> I think it was just the angle, because like they kind of shot it, it from like a low, um, you know, lower angle up kind of thing. So I liked the way that they played off his um, introduction here, because yeah. you you sympathize with him because he gets the traditional kind of Steve Rogers type background. But you also know that there's something little kind of eerie going on with him. It just you kind of get this vibe that he's just not he you know it, it, the expectation is more of the same, but you're not really gonna get that with him. I don't think you get that feeling until he whips out the gun in the uh, traffic scene. Yeah, I think, I think at the beginning I actually started to feel like we're all innately bred to just hate him because he's a you know, a cheaper version of Steve Rogers. And it does seem like he's just trying to, you know, replace him one to one. But I do like this intro because it does almost try and make you feel bad. Like you said that he hates that he has to do these like press junkies and, uh, you know, government meetings and glad handing. And like, that was all the things that Steve hated. He just would rather be out running missions and making the world safer and he has like a small support system around him of like one sidekick and one, I guess, love interest must have been it. Yeah, it looks like they're they're giving him the same kind of, I guess, backup or team that Steve had. Minus the love interest because he left that back in the 1940s. Yeah, had to put the plane <laughs> in the ice. You know, God damn it, Steve. He could have done so many things differently there. But whatever, that's the topic for another episode. Hey, he did it all. <laughs> he even went back and had that life. He did. Uh, so we do get to see John Walker go on to a press tour uh, with Good Morning America. <laughs> GMA is live in Falcon and Winter Soldier. We learn that he has he tests off the charts for physical abilities like reaction time, cognitive uh, capabilities, etc. Um, so I, are, does he have powers or not? I can't tell. I thought in the comics he did, but this seems like he's just like... In the comics, he does. Here, I guess they're painting him out that he doesn't. At least in the beginning, he doesn't. The super soldier serum is at play here, so it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up with them by the end of the I series. I feel like he already has it in him, and they haven't released that to the public for whatever it, reason. I got that vibe, too, only because of the way that he was throwing that shield around so yeah. effortlessly. And but then the, I always found the shield weird too, right? Because it's, it plays like a boomerang, and I'm like, there's no like on on a physics level, there's no way that that could actually work out in real life. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No, so I don't know. It, it could be that we're we're seeing just the origins of him on this show, like 
we're getting the U.S. agent origin story here, so we're not really going to get delve too far into um, him having abilities right off the bat. But I don't know. Like you said, I, I do get the vibes that there's something else at play here that he may be hiding. So he may have the abilities, but he's keeping them a secret. This show is going to give you the truth like nine times out of ten, but keep one thing close to the vest. And then that'll be the big reveal later. So it's hard to tell what is that right now. But I kind of feel like Captain America, John Walker, is the close to the best thing. Like, good is he good or evil? Is he a super soldier or not? But we're getting some things on the surface value of what they're telling us. That he doesn't have abilities. That he's just quicker and smarter than the average person. He tested better on his SATs than everybody else. He like... SATs are nothing. <laughs> he got perfect scores at MIT. No. Uh, this was a pretty quick episode because then he quickly. I mean, like his next scene is in the highway fight scene, which we'll talk a little bit more about when we get to Falcon and Bucky. But his performance there was. I was surprised to see him show up and how good he was with this with the shield. Yeah, and we get another Russell family member in the in the MCU, right? Because this is uh, Kurt Russell's son. If I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Ego, the Living Planet son, is over here. Yeah, I I I thought he the performance was really well. I think they wrote his character off to be likable in the beginning and kind of built that up. Because like you said, I feel like at the end of the last episode you were kind of painted to hate him. Or at the very least just like distrust him. And I liked that the way the way that they kinda angled his story throughout the whole episode. And in terms of his support system, um, I didn't think we'd get Battlestar in in the MCU. Like that, this series is really coming out with some of these like deep cut characters from like classic classic Marvel. Yeah, this is one thing I don't love about fan reaction is people who don't know anything about comics pretending like they know everything. Like seeing so many like. I was checking out like the, what's trending for for this to see if like what general thoughts were about the show, and everyone talks about like how much they love that they brought in Battlestar and how much they brought in Isaiah, whatever his real name was. Like I'm just like, there's no way that this many people knew about these deep cut characters. Like you definitely are just hopping on the trending train, pretending like you know, and it's it's kind of annoying. Like for me, it's just like oh, cool, we get a new character here, but I don't know the significance of it. I mean, I can tell that Captain America needs a sidekick, and to him it was that Lamar, whatever, Wallace or whatever his name was. Haskins. Haskins. I was going to say Lamar Jackson, the football Lamar player. Jackson. <laughs> MVP? Yeah, no, I, I feel like Marvel always does well with bringing these characters, like C, C and D list characters in, um, never really doing all that much with them other than just bringing them in. I do think that some people read too much into it, for sure. I just think that it, this is one of those things that I feel like some of the other franchises like DC kind of suffer from, where they'll, instead of like pulling in a character that makes sense to service here, they'll like create a brand new one that basically has the same features of this other yeah. comic book character, and then just instead of using that comic book character, they'll create something brand new. So I don't knock them for that, for bringing in many characters. I, I do think, though, that people need to temper their expectations as to what Marvel's going to do with them. Because I don't see... Like, Battlestar is a nice deep cut because he's literally a character left back in, like, the 60s. So to bring him in is interesting, but it's also like, all right, cool. 
You also brought in Isaiah Bradley. Uh, which one of these characters are you going to flesh out, and which one of them are we not supposed to pay attention to? You know. Yeah, I think they do the like these multiple introductions just to make the diehard fans that know everything happier, while still keeping like the average just the TV show and movie fan like me happy with like ooh someone else to learn about kind of thing. I don't think it's like you said, it's not always going to be more than what it is. Yeah, yeah. It just always, it brings levity when whenever you give the character a name. Because, like, and I, I don't know about you, but, like, I remember growing up watching the X-Men movies, in particular, like, The Last Stand. Everybody was always like, oh, is Spike in this movie? Is that the, you know, the, the, the character that we saw killing the Doctor at the yeah, end of that yeah. movie? Or, like, was that Psylocke, the girl that had, like, this, like, purple energy to her? who knew like nobody gave these characters names right but like you add validity to it when you give them a scene where they're like oh my name is yada 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 and then you're like oh yeah that's the guy from this random backstory from like the 60s yeah you're 100 percent right uh so captain america johnny walker pleads for bucky and falcon to join their team because he's saying that they're stronger together and they can fight this mission on uh, easier if they're all on the same page. Bucky's like immediately out, and then Falcon kind of lingers to hear him out. Um, but he, he doubles down in the wrong way when he says, like, I need Steve's wingman to be on my side, which is like, why Why would you even think to say that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he, like I said, in the beginning of this episode, they set him up to be like this likable guy because they compare him very much, and the GMA interview like was nice to kind of set that up of like oh this is steve rogers 2.0 only to then find out closer to the end of the episode no this guy's kind of you know a a douche yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i mean he's he's definitely green in in that respect right like he doesn't have the the, he doesn't have the temperament of, of captain america it's not so. that he's green, because he has run so many missions with the military that it's just his personality to be like, my way or the highway, which we see in the very end of this episode when he's like, he quickly turns from being like, guys, one last chance, get on our team, we can take this down together, I, you guys just want to do good, and I just want to be seen like doing like the name of Captain America proud. And they say, no, you, you have like too much red tape you have to cut. We are free agents. We can do this more efficient and faster on our own. And then he just goes quickly from being like, hey, we can be friends to stay out of my way then. Like, that's his character. That's his nature. Yeah. I, I meant so green in terms of like being the icon Captain America and not so much like combat. I'm pretty sure the guy's like described to be like a top soldier, but he's got no experience fighting i guess in the, in that kind of costumed hero role kind of way in the public eye yeah yeah like it, like you said like a lot of the co- like missions he would do would probably be and i'm you know I'm, I'm i'm like comparing him to zemo who was supposed to be like in this kill squad of sokovia it, they kind of run like a parallel thing there right like versus someone like captain america who was more so like would only use aggressive force when it's wartime or when you know he had no other alternative i guess right yeah he has no restraint let's move on to falcon and bucky because that kind of felt like it was it for captain america 
I mean, he gets interweaved a little bit here and there, but um, I thought it was nice to see them immediately in this series get on, like, being on the same page, like, getting together in scenes, because the first episode was nice to see what they're doing alone, but now it's like, all right, we're paying to see the two names in the marquee. I want to see them together. <laughs> but it was kind of odd for Bucky to show up and, like, start being angry at Sam about the shield like yeah. after ghosting him over text for so long. Yeah, he immediately... I think the first shot of Bucky in this episode was him watching that Good Morning right, right, right. interview, right? And he just looked like... Also, buy a chair, man. <laughs> <laughs> Stop sitting on the floor. <laughs> complete... Um, this is this complete little uh, thing of like disdain, I guess the look of disdain on on his face as he's watching that. And I I get the reason why, because he's also like you know that's his friend, that's the the mantle that his friend um you know worked his life to give meaning to. So, and he put it well to to Falcon afterwards. So that's Steve's legacy. Um, and we also didn't get a lot of um verbal, I guess, admission as to why. Uh, Sam didn't want to take on that role until this episode. You get a little bit of it. Yeah, I think the therapy session really helped everyone understand where the disconnect is between everyone in the show. And it's very easy for us to see, but because these are very like alpha, hot-headed characters, it's very difficult for them to just be in touch with their feelings and understand po- different points of view. Like, I don't want to jump too far ahead to the therapy session. But maybe we do just go there and then come back to the Flag Smashers. Yeah. I Yeah, like, Bucky, you said it, cleared up his point of view. Like, it wasn't so much just that, like, oh, the, like, this guy is replacing Steve. Like, uh, this, this is a lookalike. This isn't the real thing. It was more than that. It was that if Steve trusted Falcon to be the next Captain America and Falcon says Steve's judgment was impaired or wrong... Well, what does that mean for Steve believing that Bucky could come back from being the Winter Soldier and be better than that? I guess it was this thing he was holding on to, too, was Steve's word on on him. Bucky's kind of still unable to kind of validate himself and just kind of pick himself up completely by it. Understandably so, because of the stuff he's gone through. Yeah, he's very fragile. I mean, like, we see it in those nightmares, like, what he's actually done and then that he has to relive it. Because it's not like he was a mindless drone when he did it. He was still in there and he could remember everything he's doing it's just that he didn't really have control over doing it but it's it's so self-serving to be thinking that way because he isn't thinking about like well why did falcon give up the shield it's because he's also feeling these like inadequacies that he can't live up to the captain america mantle yeah and then you get into the i guess the heavier theme of the of the episode which is like the race relations theme yeah that's the other like main driver for falcon 2 without being said is that i don't know if it i'm sure it did cross falcon's mind like i don't want to put words in his mouth or whatever (laughs) but there definitely is not only in this universe that they've created but also in our universe it's like if he took up the mantle whether he had government backing or not they're still going to turn the title to black captain america just the way that the kid in maryland said oh you're the black falcon right yeah, I, I feel like the, the, the label uh, aspect of it is definitely getting to him, too. But be, beyond that, too, on the subject of why he, he gave up the the role, I think aside from being on like not 
all that confident in his own ability to live up to the legacy. It's also this added trope of like iconography. Um, and what I what I'll kind of segue into a little bit here, and bear with me for a minute. Um, I've been doing well. We we get into the like I always like making these connections because I feel like it's it's kind of on theme sometimes. Like uh, take some of the most ridiculous conversations you've heard on on like race relations and in, in, in like modern uh, history. Like I take something from like three years ago on a segment on Fox News that went like viral all over Twitter, which was Santa Claus is white and he should stay white. That yeah. whole conversation. I'm pretty sure like the in 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 like a Marvel world where people grew up with Captain America and he was always this like white blonde guy. I'm sure Falcon thinks of it too, of like the minute he like p- proposes himself as, as the new Captain America, there's going to be people that are going to be very vocally against it because of that very fact that like, Oh, it's always been this. So it should stay that way. Oh yeah. And- there's a hundred percent a Tucker Carlson in, <laughs> in the MCU. I'm sure they'll create that character. And it's J Joe and the Jameson. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, but yeah, so I, I'm, I know that they're probably going to delve into that a little bit, right? Because they're already tackling it here a little bit. But I I just I didn't really put it into th- thought too much um, last week on last week's episode until this week when he started. We started getting into those themes a little bit more. So, yeah, like it just immediately came to my mind. I was like, oh, yeah, you're, you're, I can kind of see where he's coming from, like to further add doubt to why he should not in his mind take the mantle up well yeah it's that the media would or they would just call him black captain america which might be like to the kids in maryland like that that kid there it might be like that's the sounding of like pride and owning it and taking ownership of it but to like the white audience uh that wants the steve rogers lookalike it might just be more fear-based and then he has to be in the middle of that uh, so yeah, it's that's definitely a driver that's unsaid for why he didn't take up the mantle. Yeah, and I like the whole sequence in in Maryland. I guess that sequence segued in from the whole fight between the Flag Smashers and and Bucky and and, and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, the Flag Smasher one. I think we can kind of fast forward through just because I don't know. I feel like they were outshined in that scene by Captain America arriving because they were not. They just underestimated the power of the enemies. Uh, so we can talk about the Smashers later after we finish up Falcon and Bucky. Yeah. But I definitely want to get your take on the Isaiah scene, just because I think this is a deep dive character, and this is definitely out of my realm. Yeah, so that's that's one character that I'm, I know for 100%. If anybody is coming out in bulk right now being like, oh, I know who Isaiah Bradley is. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so... I think in, in, in publishing history, he was around around the 1960s. It was post-World War II stories that came out for, for Marvel. And the reason why I know this is because like, I was a giant nerd and would read Marvel encyclopedias back when I was a kid, while everybody else ate lunch and had fun together. <laughs> um, no, so the, the Isaiah Bradley character comes from this uh, story from, Cap- from the comics where they tested the super soldier serum on other men before they came down to like giving it to Steve Rogers. So the background is they knew it would work by the time that it got to Steve, but they experimented on all these other people. Even though the comic was written in the sixties, just a late addition to it. Yeah. It was like a, like canonically altering events basically. Gotcha. 
So Isaiah Bradley was the first one that, that it was successful on. And so he went on to fight during World War II. Um, but like nobody really called attention to it because he was a black man. And so that became a very big um, sticking point later on. Like when everybody, every time, especially when the conversation in more modern times came to having um, Sam take up the role of Captain America in the comics, everybody was like, oh, yeah, right. We, we kind of did this a while ago. Um, and they did for a very limited time. But it, he's kind of like a character that time kind of forgot a bit. Uh, which threw him in jail. Well, yeah, and, and apparently in, in, in this in, in this series. In this. Um, and obviously they've altered it so that it's not he didn't come before Steve. Steve was still the first super soldier here, but he was a super soldier after. They mentioned it was the Korean War, I think, that they were in, right? Or Yes. The revelation was that he fought uh Winter Soldier uh during that during the Korean War to stand still because he took off his arm or half his arm. It's he's always been a character though in the comics that people always kind of whenever they want to talk about like race relations and issues and portrayed in comic books they come back to because it's like you had this character you didn't really didn't do much with him and so I think it's very really um, nice to kind of use that character as exactly that in this show which they're coming back to basically being like the superhero that time forgot. In a very literal sense, because like like you said, and we don't know his full story yet because it hasn't been fleshed out in the MCU. But from from what we got in this uh, in, in in this continuity, he's been thrown in jail. He's obviously been taken advantage of by the government. Um, and chances are, we're delving more into the whole Weapon Plus story because that's where his character came, comes back into relevancy in more modern times. Yeah, I love that storyline, the Weapon Plus one, but just for the people out there that don't know it, you know, anyone who just isn't a huge comic book fan like us, you know, because I know that for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically, um, I guess, more popularly known like the Weapon X program, which is what created Wolverine. It's basically the subplot of the I government. that created Deadpool. <laughs> it created Wolverine and Deadpool and a whole bunch of people. <laughs> Continuity in the movies is so messed up. <laughs> That's what I think about it. Weapon X will always be Deadpool to me. Weapon X, the Weapon... original Deadpool. Weapon Plus <laughs> on Disney Plus. Oh, they're starting up a franchise for that. No, do but you think, uh, do you think Isaiah is going to be back in this series, or do you think that was just to be like, okay, we're hot on the trail of what was the government experiments? Did that extract a serum? Is that did that fall in the wrong hands, or are they going to call on him to like? fight or be an ally i I think he's going to be an ally i don't think this is the end the last that we see of him because of one thing in modern comics the reason why he came back into play being written is because of his grandson eli bradley or elijah bradley who is a prominent member of the young avengers so yet another character (laughs) from the roster of the young avengers it's kind of hard to ignore that because they keep kind of introducing these these characters in but I'm willing to bet his grandson's going to have some sort of role later on in this show, more so than Brad, than Isaiah himself. But I, I do think they're going to come, like the plot's going to come back to him in some way. Marvel always likes to play these games of coming back to, uh, you know, breadcrumbs that they've dropped before. And we got a whole Super Soldier uh, plot with the Incredible Hulk movie that they haven't come back to. So I got to think that they're probably going to tie Isaiah and his, the blood that they took from him or like whatever they did to him in prison. Cause he alludes to the fact that they did stuff to him. 
I wonder if that's going to be tied directly to how this new version of the Super Soldier Serum uh, was made. That's, that's what it sounded like to me, where they wanted to go with it. Yeah. Because he threw that in there very quickly, and it's a very easy line to miss from a Falcon and Bucky point of view. But I kind of don't picture him coming back into the series, because it seems like they have their heading, and it's towards Zemo, and that might pick up their like a snowball effect and move them in a different direction fast. I could, the only way I could see him back in this is maybe Falcon goes there, goes back alone to talk to him about like, I had the opportunity to be Captain America, but I gave it up. And then he was like, that would have been like a major regret of mine type of thing. I think that's how he would probably would come back in, in the show. Um, like I said, I, I think if anything, his grandson might be a major player down the line. I don't think they're really going to do all that much with him in the show. Uh, but they introduced him. And again, like Marvel drops breadcrumbs only to pick them back up later. They always do this, whether it's not in the same project, but down the line. So I, I do think we'll see him again. I just don't know like to what extent. But they drop so many breadcrumbs that it's hard to predict which breadcrumbs get picked back up again. They <laughs> all they don't do. All, it's, not, they all, not all of them. They all do. But like it takes a while for some. And then for some of them, it's like you see the payoff really quickly. So, it, it yeah, there's no telling when. They're going to come back and say, like, all right, well, now it's time to do a little bit more with this character. Yeah. So they have that run-in uh, after leaving Isaiah. They have the run-in with the cops who just pull like pull up on them and basically profile Falcon as harassing Bucky and ask for ID. And they're, like, continuing to push it until the second cop realizes that they're Avengers. So that is, the, is an obvious common uh, yeah. comment on society right now. Yeah, the racial profiling down to the people in the neighborhood kind of like coming out of their houses just to kind of see the spectacle that's going on. And everybody's kind of got this look of like, oh, here we go again kind of thing. So, yeah, very smart social commentary from from Marvel. I feel like they always do just enough and then don't get too deep into the weeds with it. I wonder how they're going to balance it for the rest of the series, though, because I feel like they come close to openly going way into it and sometimes they kind of just kind of pull back and this kind of subject matter is always kind of touchy because like you always don't want you don't want to pay painted in in too much of a negative light because it you know at the end of the day it's a superhero it's a superhero show but also i feel like marvel's been really well about balancing that out as much as they can so um, I'm excited to see more of that only because like we had like it's it's almost kind of unsettling sometimes because like you, you think of the Marvel world as like this escape is from our world. But then it kind of comes down and, and kind of teaches you a lesson of the reality that you're in, too. So yeah, I, think, I think they they understand they have an audience and like the viewership right now to show what it's like to be in America and to be black. And it's very easy for people not to know what that's like if they never are around it. So I think as if as long as we can get more of these scenes in shows, then it becomes more understood and more accepted. Because there's so many people that just deny that like that doesn't really happen. But like Oh yeah. If you see it enough times then it's like, okay, maybe it does happen for the people that deny it. It's so strange to to kind of start seeing it in in TV shows so openly too, because like I think most of the time you watch something like The Wire, or you watch something like I don't know, like like a mob show or something, and you'll see something like that being painted, but you never really see it in, in too much of the mainstream, and you're starting to see it now, 
which like you put pretty well like I, I think it's a good thing and i i think it always depends on like how you paint it out to me too you know but as somebody who personally grew up in and around <laughs> struggling neighborhoods let's just put it that way uh yeah it's <laughs> it, it it's commonplace and it's kind of odd to it was odd for me that other people were like nah that doesn't happen i'm like what do you mean <laughs> yeah. so yeah like I'm, I'm glad that marvel's tackling it and I hope they continue to handle it the way that they have at this point. And, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm I'm excited to see how they go on with this particular threat, because I don't think they're particularly done with the Isaiah Bradley character holistically. I don't think he's going to play a, a, like a super, super active role, but I know they're probably going to come back to him in some way. And I think you painted out a good way for them to do that, which is the likely scenario there, which is like he will probably be somebody to inspire um, Sam to fully take on that mantle. Yeah. Are you agreeing with my predictions? <gasps> Are we making predictions? Yes. I think we did. Did I just jump into that? Sorry. Well, you just took my prediction and threw it in there. <laughs> no. Uh, the last thing I would no. want to talk about with Falcon and, and Winter Soldier is the couples therapy, which is the scene that we got from the trailer, which definitely lived up to what the what we got teased and a little bit more. Very funny in this scene. I saw some reviews that were like, the dialogue written in here is like their comedy is not that great, but it's like, this sits perfectly with me. It's like, yeah, it's quick witted. It's dry, like sarcasm. I love it. This has a tone of like buddy, a buddy cop kind of yeah. movie, you know, cause they hate it. Also, I don't know why I didn't give them this much thought before, but they don't like each other. Their, their common thread was Steve and Steve's gone. So like it just, I guess I never yeah. really gave it too much thought, but yeah, they, they never really got along on, on screen either. It's interesting that they didn't, though, because it's like, I guess you don't have to be friends with your, like, a, a, a mutual friend. You don't have to be friends with their friend that's in a different group, but it's interesting because they all have so few friends <laughs> that it's like, <laughs> I feel like you would just kind of accept each other, but... Uh, Falcon did raise one good point in this that I didn't think about, like why there might be like subconscious dislike when uh, when they had to steal the shield back in Civil War. After that, they had to go on the run for two years. But Bucky went to um, Wakanda for those two years, and not that he had an easy time, but he was put to sleep for a certain amount of time and then was just like healing in a cabin kind of thing while while falcon had to be like on the road constantly looking over his shoulder like he definitely had a rough two years because of the events and the and what uh bucky had done yeah he's basically the catalyst as to why he had such a crappy time the last couple years so yeah i guess yeah i didn't really pay much mind to it but you're right then again, Falcon did volunteer at the end of Winter Soldier that he would follow Steve. So right, I would have just been like, it, it it is very difficult to be like uh, blaming Bucky for Sam's problems, but there is an easy direct line for him to draw for like where did I go wrong in my life? I I trusted Steve, and then Steve trusted Bucky, and then Bucky caused us both pain. Like it's a very quick line to draw there, but the, I think the therapist like. I would love to see if they continued those therapy sessions throughout the show. Like at the end of the, each episode, they just went back to the office and like, what did we talk? Like, what did we do this week? Kind of thing. Like those would be very funny. Cause it would, it would slowly bring their characters closer together. 
I like I like the character of the therapist. I think she's a good way to kind of bring out some of these comedic intense moments between the two. And I think I we we talked we briefly touched on this before, but like in an odd way, they're the perfect pairing because you got one guy going through trauma, Bucky, and then Falcon exactly knows how to deal with that because he he would be the one advising some of the vets back in uh, I think it was right. the beginning of Winter Soldier. And then you have uh, Bucky, who seems to be more, more so like the guy that knew Steve all that much. So if there's anybody to give him a pep, like Sam, a pep talk, it's probably gonna be Bucky. Like he's the guy that knew the 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 guy who cemented himself as that iconic role. So if anybody's gonna convince him, it's probably gonna be Bucky. Yeah, they would both benefit each other in such a positive way, but they can't get past their dislike for each other for whatever reasons they <laughs> yeah. have. And it's like they're both saying what's hurting them. Well, Bucky maybe is saying it more than Sam. But still, it's like it's you can read the room and understand that each are hurting. But they're both so focused on their own personal pain that they can't empathize for the other. Which is why therapy would be great for them. Right. But I loved the... Uh, <laughs> they were both manspreading and then they had to like lock legs <laughs> that was such a good scene that was funny that and the whole staring contest bit which <laughs> they both lost after they got i think bucky won <laughs> you see like falcon blink when she snapped and yeah. then he makes this like defeated face like oh I, dang it <laughs> i had it i can't i can't you know i don't know how they're going to utilize these next four episodes man but like up until this point i've been enjoying it and I think you and I talked about this before that our expectations were this is this was going to be like more of your standard MCU and it is kind of painting out to be that way. I'm enjoying now, it a lot more than I thought. Here's here's one question I have for you is like I think we can both agree that WandaVision really made us like Wanda as a character. Like we went into it not really caring about Wanda that much, but came out of it really empathizing for her and wanting to see where she goes after that. Do you think you're going to have the same feelings for falcon and or winter soldier after this or do you think like i I feel like i don't want to speak for you that we both came into this with kind of lukewarm neutral feelings towards them do you think it might just be too early to predict or do you think you know you're going to come out of this liking them a lot more i don't know if i am i my expectation is that i will i i didn't not like these characters before i feel like i liked them more so than i did vision or scarlet witch before WandaVision. Uh, I think what I'm most excited to see, and at the very least for Falcon, right? Like, I want to see that transition to him taking up the shield. I want I want to see that. And so because of that, I'm almost kind of invested into wanting to like him more by the end of this, mm-hmm. um, by the end of the series. And I think similar to what we saw with Wanda at the end of that series, she was full on Scarlet Witch. I think we'll get a similar kind of thing at the end of this show where he's full on Captain America by the end of this series. I don't know exactly how we get there, right? I feel like that's the journey that I'm subscribed to right now. And I'm Cause, excited. Cause we do see it. it in the trailers, him throwing, like, practice throwing the shield. And it seems like they're prepping for a fight. So it's not like it's going to be the last scene of the last episode. Uh, so, and they did talk about stealing the shield, what that would cause uh, as far as like uh, consequences. But yeah, I kind of am in the same camp that, like, I'm coming into this not really caring about them. Probably because I only associate them with Steve Rogers. And without him, it's like, 
do I care about them? Like, so I'm almost going through my own journey of like, like they're going through there. Am I able to live up to Steve's image? And am I going to be able to pull through whatever trauma I'm going through? I'm going through a similar thing of like, can these characters stand alone without Steve? Not that that my problem is anywhere near <laughs> yeah. uh, as dramatic, but uh, yeah, I just don't know. I feel like this this show is moving so fast in a direction of uh, solving one problem, the Flag Smashers, that I don't know if I'll really care about seeing them in a standalone movie or seeing them come back in another movie. This feels more like it's they're do something because they've been around since what was it? Phase two and phase one for Bucky. Um, I kind of get where you're coming from. Cause it, it does feel like where, whereas Wanda and vision uh, for their show, it felt kind of organic because you literally knew very little to nothing about them. And then here comes characters that were a bit more well-received. They had a little bit more backstory to them and you just kind of waiting for more of a flesh out, kind of thing for them. I didn't particularly care for either of these characters either before, but it's not like I hated them. You know, like I, I thought they were, they played off well enough with Steve, but they were so closely tied to Steve that they never really were given breathe room on their own. And, and uh, you know, and I'm just speaking from like my comic book self here. I really enjoyed uh, Sam Wilson as Captain America, th- those stories that came about it. So I'm excited to see him in those solo movies. I'm excited to see him in whatever they spin him off to be. Or even if we don't get a solo movie and he's just part of like whatever the Avengers franchise is now in, in theaters, I'm fine with that. I just I feel like there's stories worth telling with him, and I just hope that we get a decent amount of dedication to him, especially especially this time, right? Because I feel like most of the time we have these little one-off stories for these characters and we just kind of forget about them. The last thing I want is for all these shows on Disney plus to develop characters that we then care about. And then you, they go untouched for years. You yeah. Know that I mean? would be a true tragedy of yeah. time use, uh, not like our time, but their time. I feel like Wanda vision was really good at setting up. Where does Wanda go next? And where does vision go? Cause he's disappeared. Whereas this show to me feels more like, because like what you said, we saw so much of them in Winter Soldiers, Civil War, Infinity War. So we've already gotten their backstories. It feels more like this is the where are they going now. So it's like WandaVision set up the future for Wanda. This is the future for Falcon and Winter Soldier. But I, they could obviously throw in a twist ending and be like, Steve, like... Uh, What's his name? Wilson leads the new Avengers, which seems like they're disbanded at this point. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen with the future of that Avengers franchise? At the start of WandaVision, you had no idea of her background all that much, but you, but more importantly, you had no idea what to even do with her. And at the end of that series, you know exactly more or less how what she can kind of do and where she can kind of go. Whereas for this show. You know he's destined to become Captain America. You know that, and it's kind of like watching Clone Wars after watching Episode Three. (laughs) You know, like you know, like you just hear it for the for the meat and and I know Palpatine's gonna get kidnapped. Now let me see how he got to this point. (laughs) Right. So I think like for for us, we were able to enjoy more so the journey because we were so invested in it because we had no idea what we were navigating. Whereas here, we kind of know where we're going. 
I just yeah. kind of want to see how we get there. So I think that's maybe that's why our expectations were a bit more tempered for this show. Very different from Wanda. Because you like even when we talked about the show before, I was like, what the heck is this? Every time we would watch a new trailer for WandaVision. And whereas for this show, we were like, oh, cool. This looks like a cool Marvel project, you know? Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's uh, let's finish up here talking about the Flag Smasher organization. So it seems like the leaders are super soldiers on serums, which you kind of mentioned before. Uh, so this is definitely making a play into how did they get super like superpowers. Um, and also, I just feel like their messaging needs maybe a little work, a little fine-tuning. Because uh, they constantly say one world, one people, but their logo is the world surrounded by five fingers. <laughs> so I don't know what they're saying there. but um, One world, five people. Because <laughs> they, they kept saying that, right? They were like one world, one people, and they kept pointing like one finger, but then they would show like their logo, which is like five fingers. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so they also, it, it seems like their true mission, which might have been misrepresented in the last episode, is not to revert back to the blip, but to revert or not even to revert, but just, you know, talk about equality of attention. So it seems like the world is focusing all of its time and attention into anyone who came back from the blip, getting them set up as a citizen again, getting them financial assistance, getting them uh, healthing, health assistance or anything like that. Whereas this, this flag smasher group is like, well, don't forget about the people who survived for five years here. Like, we're we're part of this world so the way that i kind of took it and i because the first episode they were almost set up to be like these agents of chaos you know that kind of yeah. group in this episode where you get a little bit more fleshed out and they're stealing medicine vials they're stealing what i'm assuming is like um you know i don't know what what other supplies they kind of refer to but it seems like stuff that they're they're going to distribute to people right it, they painted them out to be like the extreme social justice warrior kind of angle there. Yeah. So like the way that I kind of I, I I read this review from I think Variety this morning where it was alluding to them as like Bernie Bernie Sanders supporters but with super <laughs> soldier serum in their veins. I was like, yeah, I I, I kind of see that. So they're not. I don't think they're necessarily bad guys, and I think their their view is basically like socialism <laughs> you know for lack of a better term it's like th their main complaint was that the reason why the world was was so unified before was because all these people were gone and the people were kind of taking care of each other in a much better spot whereas now that people have come back it's it's come back to the displacement of greed sorry the displacement of people because of greed and you kind of saw that through the subplot of falcon in the last episode with the loan and his whole interaction with the banks. So I think that that's where their that's their whole mission is basically getting people to care about each other. And they just felt like there was a much better time of that when people had this like unifying sense of loss, which is which is really twisted. But also like I can kind of see what where they're getting at um, because if it's true, like even like they alluded that like for example the VA loans uh, situation that Falcon brought up in the last episode the uh, bank agent was telling him like, oh, that was under the old rules. But now that everybody's kind of come back, like, you know, everybody, everybody's kind of displaced there. So it kind of sounds like they're just trying to make things fairer for everybody, but obviously going about it in the most extreme way. And well, yeah, they also called them like Robin Hoods. Yeah. This generation because they're stealing from the, 
the supplies that are supposed to go to the blip victims, but they're giving it back to people that survived the blip. I guess from their point of view, everyone's a victim of the blip and everyone should be receiving equal benefits and attention now that we're in a world of post blip. So yeah, I think this episode is really good at setup because it makes you feel a little bit bad for, or a little bit of empathy towards Captain America and his struggle of like, I just need to be accepted and I just want to be doing missions that change the world. But it also does a, a, a good way of like sympathizing with the flag smasher organization. And it's also revealed that the leader is actually the girl who plays Emphas Nest, <laughs> who's revealed to be Carly Morgenthau in this universe versus the Carl Morgenthau's flag smasher character from the comics. I'm always going to call her Emphas. So. Yeah, we're still going to call her Emphasness. Her action <laughs> scenes were so good in that movie, though. I mean, come on. If that was her under the mask. Still, her character, whatever. <laughs> I associate her with 100% that. 100% a stunt double. <laughs> but yes, uh, it was, she was pretty, still uh, pretty cool to see her lead that fight. She's actually a stunt woman, though. So I, I wonder how much of that. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I didn't know that either. I, I just found out about that this morning when I was reading through um, some article on Variety. But I, I feel like um, it, it's an interesting take and an interesting villain that they're choosing for the show, which I get one of my theories is like completely out of the window after this. Right. Um, because at the end of this episode, Bucky and Sam go are on their way to go visit Zemo, who's still in jail. Didn't blip away to no. our knowledge yet. No, and seemingly has no ties to this organization then. Although whoever does have ties to them, it seems like whoever has beef with the Flag Smashers has very personal beef with the, with the Flag Smashers. Based <laughs> yeah, on that text. on a texting basis. Yeah, I was like, how how is that? Like, who, who did she piss off? Uh, yeah, I don't know who could be against them. I imagine it's... If we're sticking with our predictions of last... Yeah, if we're sticking with similar predictions from last week, I think it is, like, U.S. government-based who maybe gave them serums and now they want vengeance or something like that. I don't know. Because that's what I picture this series going, is, like, a corrupt U.S. senator, like uh, how we had Senator Stern in the Iron Man series. I picture that being a kind of similar thread here, where, like, one guy has given super serum to captain america but also to the enemies uh so that there's reason to have a captain america uh so that's where i kind of see this one going but i also see that the, you're right the flag smashers seem to be this group without a true leader like carly is not a real leader like she she might be the one with the vision the one with the plan but she's not like a leader amongst these people uh, so I, I kind of picture Zemo maybe like radicalizing this group or using their resources at least. You know what it kind of reminds me of? The whole QAnon conspiracy of today? Like maybe Zemo is conspiracy. Q. Well, because so, so <laughs> la- la- but last week it reminded me because like they have an app right in, in, in universe where they like will meet up and just right. follow whoever this person is. Yeah. Instructions. Just like Q- the QAnon posts on wherever the heck they're posting. From what I've heard, like they'll gather around these places and be given specific instructions on where to go and what to do. So I'm like, yeah, I can kind of. This is Marvel's hot take on QAnon. It's more like a flash mob, like a dance mob. So Zemo <laughs> would be Q in this situation. I I could see it. Z instead of Q. 
He oh. has the mind for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess this does take us into the prediction section. It it definitely is hard to make predictions right now just because I don't think there are that many twister turns yet. Uh, like it, it seems like everything that's being presented to us on its surface is taken to surface value. You know, it's I think it's all true so far. Yeah, I think so too. I don't think there's too much of like a mystery thing going on here, like compared as compared to One Division. Yeah. Um, the only prediction I'll make is that the final boss will be like a fully buffed, shredded, shirtless Bernie Sanders <laughs> to fully com- com- complete the look. Like that's what I that's what I want. Like, give me Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, that I, I literally have no predictions for this for this series. Like I, I just I'm just here to enjoy the ride wherever it goes. Uh, I, I'm still on the angle that they're building stuff up with the, with these series because again I can't stress but point out the fact that at this point we've been introduced to a number of the Young Avengers roster. Yeah. Uh, so clearly they're gonna do something with them. Not I don't think anything on this show, but I I think they're planting the seeds for it. And then also the Thunderbolts because I'm I'm again the, the the characters for the rosters line up and so I'm thinking all right well clearly they're setting something up for the future here but that in terms of predictions that's the only thing I can really go off on yeah I think as far as predictions for the show the only like I'll go out on a limb and make up something just because I don't want it to be like we haven't thought about anything and then by the end we're not surprised at anything but uh, I'm gonna say that Zemo is willing to partner up with Falcon and Bucky as like an Intel source. Uh, and he like is fake helping them. And then he really aligns himself with the flag smashers. Not that they have the same motives or desires, but just that Bucky wants to like cause chaos and, or not Bucky, uh, Zemo wants to cause like chaos and uh, disrupt anything that would, benefit the avengers so i think he's gonna use the flag smashers resources against the against the avengers yeah i agree uh further to kind of add something i guess that we i don't know i want to get your hot take on this but do you think we'll see falcon actually become captain america on this show or do you think that they're going to save that for the movie i think it's going to be like the last scene him saying like avengers assemble type of thing not necessarily saying those words, but a similar vibe to that. The way that um, was that one that ended that way? Age of Ultron. It was Ultron, right? Uh, where Captain America says like Avengers, uh, and then they cut the credits. I think it's gonna be a similar thing like that. But I think he'll have the shield by like episode four. I'll say. Yeah. Like maybe maybe the end of four, and then he'll have it for all of five and six. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll get his full-on costume. As Cap- I don't think he'll be costumed as Captain America until the end of the series, but I, I do think he'll probably get the shield back before that point. Like, I, I think that... I guess this is another prediction. I think that uh, Falcon and Bucky will go about this the right way and doing, like you said, like a little cop detective work, figuring out all the ins and outs of who they're fighting against. And I think the Captain America character is just going to be sent into war to fight uh, them on their fight emphasis on the next next battle. But I think he's going to lose and then maybe have the title taken away from him or get imprisoned or maybe even die in the show. I don't know 
however they write him off, I think the shield will become available again, and that's when Falcon will steal it or be given it. Yeah, he's going to end up in, coming to blows over Coaxium with Entrance Nest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. One thing, before we sign off here, though, just kind of like a fun kind of thing to maybe think about a little bit before... Wait, this hasn't been fun so far? Yeah, I'm just I'm just adding further on to our fun here. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm missing alcohol today, so my bad. <laughs> um, who do you like in terms of like what happens with the Avengers and their roster? Who do you think, think gone now? I think uh, that they're painting the picture of like without Tony Stark or without like because if if this Johnny Walker guy is given the Captain America moniker, wouldn't he have a team around him? At least call it like the new Avengers. Like I think it's just free contractors like anyone who's a hero is doing what falcon's doing is contracting with the government in certain missions yeah i don't i don't think this is the end of the avengers as a team i feel like oh no i don't but i think in this world it is right now yeah yeah no but i'm saying is like whenever we do get a new team of avengers who do you think is going to make up that roster uh my boy spider-man sexy tom holland (laughs) <laughs> shredded tom holland uh i think he'll be on it for sure who will lead them though i guess because my my uh my prediction before was black panther but obviously with with the stuff that's happened and you know the untimely passing of chadwick boseman i, I don't think that's going to come to pass oh that was a great line in this episode too the uh falcon joking and being like oh you you spent a little time in wakanda and you think you're the white panther he's like it's called the white <laughs> what was it white like, wolf white wolf yeah yeah Is that it, wait, was what? So good. wait what um yeah i don't know who would be the leader i guess it would be falcon as captain america it would be the leader of them yeah like i it's it's so difficult to tell like who like who's gonna take who's is there gonna be another iron man or is it done with tony you know or spider-man <laughs> do a backflip <laughs> That I mean, it could happen, right? Like because technically speaking, if you want to get too into the weeds with it, you could introduce Miles Morales, have him take on the role of Spider-Man, and have Peter Parker then take on the role of Iron Man. Dude, Tom just got jacked for this, and you're going to take it away from him? Now he's going to be jacked in the suit of armor. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does have access to all those killer drones, so I feel like he could be leader. Does he still? Did he? Yeah, he didn't get rid of them at the end of Far From Home, right? No, he just executed all the orders. Somebody should really check that into play. Like, Tony was not the best person to make these kind of decisions. You know, like, maybe a hormonal 15-year-old is not the best person. But that's what you need to... Not a bad decision maker. You don't need a bad decision maker to lead the Avengers. But you do need someone super intelligent who can better everybody. And that's what Tony did, is he not only funded everyone's project, but he also, like improved everyone's tech and made the team better at fighting and that's what spider-man could do like he's the only one who could seriously design a suit or understand a conversation about the multiverse i get it'll be interesting to see who makes up that new roster because like i and that's such a spider-man thing like being like he's so he's not sure in himself he's a kid right that would be like the perfect role for him is like i don't know if i can do this and then like he just has to do it it also comes down to whether Disney and Sony are going to play nice and keep sharing the rights to this character, or if they're just going to snatch it away at some point in the next couple of years. 
Man, I hope they do. I hope they play nice. I hope so, too. I've been hearing that they worked out a new contract, but who knows if that's necessarily true. You never know with these things. It's ever like the business is ever flowing. So I think that about wraps us up, right? Yeah, that <laughs> was a solid tangent at the end here. <laughs> uh, so we I think, yeah, we both really enjoyed this episode. If you have your own thoughts on it and you want to reach out to us to get involved, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at BT Fourth Wall. Uh, four being four th, uh, like we said before, you know, feel free to throw a five star review on the old podcast in the app store. That helps a lot. Everywhere, review us everywhere. <laughs> everywhere, as many downloads as you can. Refer a friend. We're in the yeah. refer a friend program right now. Did we tell you about that? Yeah, do it, do it, do it. Trash do talk it. us on Twitter. <laughs> Trash talk us on Twitter, but use our hashtag. Uh, other than that, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.